0: Welcome to Place Your Time Now, I'm Pam McKinnon, and this is season one, episode eight, with performer, singer, songwriter, memoirist, and activist, Justin Vivian Bond. This was recorded in person on Friday, June 18th, 2021, when Chris Chen's play Communion and Heather Christian's Animal Wisdom were streaming to ACT audiences. Now, before we listen to this rare one-on-one conversation, I want to personally thank ACT's video content producer, Beryl Baker, who has been such an important maker of this podcast as project manager and editor and true collaborator through the entire season. These conversations owe a great debt to Beryl. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Place Your Time Now. I'm ACT's artistic director, Pam McKinnon. I sat down with Justin Vivian Bond on June 18, 2021. I felt a little starstruck as I'm a big fan, but also shy to be in person with anyone, really, after all these many months living over Zoom. But we persisted justin vivian bond has appeared on stage screen tv nightclub stages most notably a decades-long residency at joe's pub at the public theater in nyc and in concert halls worldwide their memoir tango My Childhood Backwards and in High Heels won the Lambda Award for Transgender Nonfiction. They are the recipient of an Obie, a Bessie, and a Tony nomination, as well as an Ethel Eichenberger Award. And if you don't know Ethel, please look him up, a downtown stalwart performer and activist. Vivian has a master's degree in live art from Central St. Martins College in London and has taught performance composition and live art installation at NYU and Bard College. They have been at the forefront of trans visibility and activism since the early 1990s. My conversation was taped as a companion piece for ACT's one-week release of the archival capture of the 2010 musical Armistead Maupin's Tales of the City to address the outdated and harmful casting at the time of a cisgendered woman in the role of the iconic trans character Mrs. Madrigal. But we talked about lots of stuff. Here we go. Yeah, I guess we should introduce ourselves, right? Hey. Hi, I'm Pam McKinnon, and I'm artistic director of American Conservatory Theater, ACT in San Francisco.
1: And I'm Justin Vivian Bond, and I'm a performer uh, in cabaret live theater. Everywhere, really.
0: And right now, we're in San Francisco because you're performing I'm playing this, at Feinstein. Playing at Feinstein's. At the
1: Nico. Yeah, it's very exciting. And
0: and is this part of a, a, a multi-city tour? Is this?
1: No, it's just, you know, um, they contacted me and asked me if I would come, and this is my first group. I did a live show in March, but this is my first real show with a paying audience night after night so it's it's great to be back yeah, and we're back. i started in san francisco so it's nice to restart or start again oh, in san francisco great. with many of the same people in my audience that were there at the very beginning so it's that's magical fantastic
0: and you, you you mentioned to me that there were some there's some hugging like people seem to seem to be back in a big visceral yes. way
1: i just walk in and say, touch each other touch each other and i try to touch as many because i run around and touch people because i um i was afraid i was i'm single so I was single <laughs> during the pandemic it was just me and my cats so i was uh i was feeling a little undernourished yeah, physically i
0: get that i get that and so Maybe, maybe we can actually start by talking a little bit about San Francisco. Mm-hmm. What you loved past tense about it, what you love about it. I read somewhere that in, I think, 89, you saw um, Homo Core. Yeah. And, and was, that was something of a revelation. So 1989, uh, an arts music performance festival on York Mission Theater. Street, New York. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, I mean, I'm just sort of interested in talking about those moments of like hits of inspiration, hits of, ultimately, I want to talk a bit about trans-representation, trans-visibility vis- you know, in performance, on the stage. And it struck me, maybe we start with Core.
1: Yes, I went uh, it, it would have been in the spring of 1989, I believe, and I uh, went to this thing at the York Theater. And it was hosted by this amazing poet by the name of Richard Loringer. And uh, the Popstitutes, which were this drag punk band, they were playing. And Bambi Lake was performing, mm-hmm. who was a legendary trans uh, performer in San Francisco. And um, another person was named Stephen Maxine, who did this whole ritual for Kali and it was just like really punk, really uh, on the edge, but also just the gender representation was all over the place and my jaw dropped and I was just like, I had never seen anything like it before. And so I was just completely um, enchanted by this world that I knew I could possibly be in someday. And then that spring, was my first pride. And so I was at the, um, I went down there and I wasn't sure exactly um, what was gonna happen. But I thought, well, if I see a group that I feel like I have an affinity with, I'm gonna march in this parade. And around the corner came this police car, or this car that was painted to look like a police car, but it had a pink paper mache high heel where this, on the top, and they had um, bolted an apple crate filled with high heels on the back. And it was many of the people from that performance, and they were using the high heels to beat the police car. And so we just basically kicked and beat this car for the whole police. Um, parade route it was very punk and it was amazing <laughs> I was like my people. <laughs> my people and I joined with them and that was that was my San Francisco world
0: after that oh that's fantastic and 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 did you then immediately step into performance out of that
1: well I had majored in college and acting and yep. I didn't really um I mean I I liked it but I started to you know I didn't after i got out of college i realized i didn't like going to auditions and having to kind of figure out who i was supposed to be in order to get a job yeah i didn't like making myself someone else because i didn't really know who i was and but i knew i didn't like that and then so i had kind of given up on the idea of an acting career but then i saw this and um kate and and I went to an open call for Theater Rhinoceros, and I was cast in this musical as a sort of romantic lead, as, the, in this, as this young boy, and I was the object of a romantic desire, which I had never been before. Mm. But when that was happening, Kate Bornstein came to the show, and she cast me in her play, Hidden Agenda, which was about this 19th century intersex person named Herculine Barbin, whose journals have been discovered mm. by Michel Foucault. Mm. And I was not gonna do it because I thought, well, I'm just finally getting play as a cute boy. um, And once I do this, everybody's gonna know I'm trans and I'm not gonna get any action. I thought I would never get any action, you know? Yeah. But I had this cis straight roommate at the time who read it and he's like, it's Mm. an amazing play and you really need to do it. And I did it. And then of course it changed my life. I came out as trans Mm -hmm. and I, Found out that people still did desire me, and um, <laughs> I went on with my career as a performer, but sort of just with agency in a way yeah. that I didn't feel I could have in this sort of mainstream right.
0: binary. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's 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 you've got to pigeonhole yourself into an external label right. that is a social construct that you didn't help design <laughs> no one True. alive did right? right and we're all sort of like trying to stay tight and you know try to succeed through it right um but and there amazing. weren't that many examples yeah, of trans right.
1: performers or you know like there wasn't a path to follow you know which yeah. there might be if you're an actress you see another actress you admire and you think well how can i sort of what kind of choices have they made and who's helped them? Yep. There was nobody that was like looking to help a trans performer find their way into the mainstream or any level of success that, I, that I'm aware
0: of. Right, right. And so, so, so seeing other people do it let, lets you sort of fill in that, that affinity mm-hmm. and say, oh, this actually might, might be something for me. Right. I mean, it's and and just and just to, you know, sort of uh, other people um, performing, living authentically lets you step in in a different way and see possibility.
1: And, uh, you know, I don't know if you saw the uh, documentary Disclosure. Mm -hmm. Um, That that was such a powerful thing for me to see because all of these sort of performers who are now sort of mainstream people, like uh, Laverne Cox, who's moved to San Francisco. I mean, she moved to New York the same summer that I moved from San Francisco to New York, and she's had this career, you know? And she and Candace Kane and a lot of the people, they have worked in this way that I did not work. Um, because I made up my mind that I was gonna just do my own thing, you know? So I did Kiki and Herb, and I did my own cabaret career, and I went to various places doing all of that because I thought, well, I'll just write roles for myself. Right. And, um, And I didn't ever consider Doing the things that they did and then when you see them talk and then the reason being because I didn't want to play a Transgender prostitute. I wanted to play a glamorous grand dame, you know, and they did this work
0: mm-hmm.
1: that Was so impressive because they have a more of a Fortitude than I could ever muster. Mm-hmm. I could never have um, put myself in those situations because I don't think I'm strong enough their strength Mm. was so impressive and um so then by being so strong and being in those roles they learned how to be in front of a camera and 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 all of that which i don't know that i i mean i have learned it but to be given those parts like actors do to develop your craft was not something that was easily accessible for trans people
0: right Right. And so, and so so writing, creating your own work on your own terms in smaller spaces and then slightly larger, slightly right. larger, slightly larger. Right. And then and then the mainstream, I mean, didn't open up for you, but you... It almost
1: did, yeah. but I ran away. Okay. Because after we did Kiki and her on, on Broadway. Broadway and we did Carnegie Hall and we came here, then we were invited to, um, we were invited, and this was in the mid-2000s, if you remember Perez Hilton, Mm -hmm. he was so huge and he was the supporter of Britney Spears and Amy Winehouse, and he wanted to champion Kiki and Herb. And um, our producers who had brought us to um, ACT, they were sort of into the idea that we would have a press conference and announce a tour with um, Perez Hilton. And I thought, if I do this, this is gonna be my life. I'm gonna be forever this character. That's the only thing people are gonna know me as. And so I had about three hours to make a decision and I said, no. And that was the end of Kiki and Herb for many years. But that would have been a mainstream thing, but I just wasn't prepared for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, And and, and not prepared for that because um, you knew that there were other creative things that you wanted to do. You knew that that character yes. had, she had run her course.
1: She had run her course. And I, I also don't like that much attention. Yeah. And I, I want and if I am known for something, I want it to be something I'm proud of. Yeah. They asked me to be on um, one of those sh- uh, shows where they make costumes outfits for people, the style one yep. with um, Heidi Klum. They wanted yep. me, me to be dressed by one of the designers and I was like, I do not want to ever walk Ooh. anywhere and have somebody go, oh, you're that drag queen that was on whatever that show nice. was. I didn't yeah. want that.
0: Right, the learning channel.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't mind being known for being on the learning channel, but <laughs> but I was like, I don't want to be at a mall and have someone yell that at me.
0: Yeah. No, a little bit creepy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if they were like, I saw you on Short Bus, sure, but oh, what an
0: amazing movie! Yeah, 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 and and um um John John Cameron Mitchell. Uh, so you so you landed in New York mid '90s. That's when I yes, got there. I went there in
1: 1994. Okay,
0: I'm 1995. Um, how would you describe? Because I I mean I'm I'm just sort of thinking of like I don't know. Um, like, people like to describe and, 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 and label things. Um, like, the downtown, we talked a little bit about San Francisco, but mm-hmm. then you hop to New York, and like, the downtown culture, the downtown scene. You know, there's sort of, the, in theater, some people call that like, off-off Broadway, mm-hmm. but I actually prefer downtown, mm-hmm. because there's no relationship to Broadway. It's a
1: different mentality. Yeah,
0: and it's not, it's not like they're concentric circles of performance, right. but downtown is a location. Yes. And, that, and that's what you, you fell into and you, and you again, sort of found your people. Yes. What, what, what were those early moments like for you?
1: Well, I left in the summer of 94 and I spent about the first six months just kind of getting the lay of the land because I didn't want to get into the wrong scene. I didn't want I just, to, I just sort of s- sat back and just wanted to see, again, who I had an affinity yeah. for. And I went to this club called Squeeze Box, which was at this bar called Don Hills, and this person, um, Mistress for Michael, was the MC, and she also did a party um, called Hippie Chicks, um, because I felt close to nightclub people, because you could really be yourself in nightclubs, mm-hmm. and that's always been, you know, that kind of... Thing between being a drag queen and being a trans person. And some trans people are insulted if they're called drag queen and, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a way of finding a place where you can be safe, whether you're trans or doing drag or whatever. And then if you find people that are political and smart, then it's a kind of, you know, amazing. And Mistress Vermica was like that.
0: And it's subversive and too, subversive. right? yeah. yeah. And,
1: and confrontational yeah. and had, a, had something to say, where it's like, there was, I went to the sort of limelight with the club kids mm-hmm. and all that, I just couldn't, I just couldn't go there. But, um, I mean, I liked them, but I just was, I didn't feel like that was anything I wanted to say. So, Squeezebox had alternative bands at like 10 o'clock, our punk bands or queer bands or whatever and then they had a house band and at about 11 or 12 they would have downtown personalities drag queens and um, Jane County who's a mm-hmm. legendary trans performer would perform with this house band and I sang live I didn't ever have any interest in lip-syncing so I was like this is where I need oh, that's to great. be yeah. so I started performing there and that's how I developed a following so that when i was ready to do my own thing i would have an audience so working in clubs is how i found my audience and how they found me and then um we were invited to play at this little cabaret called 88's on 10th street uh, and kenny came out and we started kiki
0: and herb there amazing amazing Mm -hmm. let's switch gears and talk a little bit about tales of the city were you um were, were Armistead's articles and books, were they important to you?
1: Yes, because uh, my job when I worked here was at a different, like, bookstore, oh, which was yeah. the queer bookstore in the Castro. So those books were, um, those books were magic to so many people and there were so many so of them. many of them um and I was like well I better find out what these books are about so um shortly after I moved to San Francisco I was reading those books and of course that was the San Francisco I dreamt of right when I was a, a kid in Maryland and I heard my uncle saying one Sunday after church San Francisco is sin city that's where all the homosexuals and and he was just really it, it was a terrible scandalous place and I was like no nope <laughs> I have to get to San Francisco someday. <laughs> um, so that was the San Francisco I hoped to encounter but right. I moved here in 19 in the fall of 1988 and it was a very different yeah. landscape yeah. Um, But that magic still existed and the beauty and the architecture of it. And um, so those books were really important.
0: And I think, and I think they continue to be.
1: And they evolved into where I was living at the time. Yeah. And he's wonderful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Love him. And the musical, Tales of the City, and it's based on, um, I think, the first two books. Mm -hmm. And what was your first entree with the musical?
1: Well, um, Jake Shears mm-hmm. and Jeff Whitty, who uh, wrote the music and the book, um, those are two of my very, very good friends. So I heard it was happening, and um, I, of course, was extremely curious. I, I mean, I knew it would be good, yeah. because th- those guys are amazing. But I also, um, well, I, to be honest, a lot of people would say to me, are you playing the part of Anna Madrigal? I heard that you're playing that part. They haven't announced who's doing mm, it. Mm. And I would say, no, nobody asked me about it. Nobody has ever mentioned it. And I didn't even really consider it for myself because at that time it was 2007 or, what
0: well, well, probably when they, when they first started to develop right, it. And so then it was, I was on stage here in 2011. In my,
1: in my 40s. Yeah. And she was older. So I didn't think of myself as appropriate, the appropriate age for that role. Mm -hmm. So I was like, no, I'm not gonna be playing Anna Madrigal. Um, But I felt compelled to ask them, you know, like, well, who is because, and they, um, I think initially it was supposed to be Betty Buckley. Oh, okay. She was the initial
0: Anna Madrigal,
1: and um, for some reason she, left after a rehearsal So they had, uh, they had to recast the role very quickly and they picked Judy Kay. Mm-hmm. And so um, I remember saying to Jeff, um, have you um, considered casting a trans woman in the part? Because I knew people who could play that role. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, well, we thought about it, but dramatically it really hinges on the fact that uh the The guy doesn't know she's trans, mm-hmm. so uh it's supposed to be shocking when they discover that she's trans and I said to Jeff, well, you know what would really be shocking is if you, you cast a trans person in the trans role that would be that shocking would be shocking and I was um very upset yeah uh, and at that time, I was like, am I going to um let this mm. ruin my friendship with mm-hmm. these people because mm-hmm. I was deeply disappointed yeah. in that. Um, and, and that answer was so sort of just flippant. But um, of course it was a different time. Yeah. And um, they, that was just the way things were done. And of course it was so much money to, to, to do. I was like, if you had cast share,
0: right.
1: Then right, I would say right. it's understand. okay. This is
0: like capitalism that is yeah. trumping, yeah. Representation. And also, I'm yeah.
1: sorry, but Cher could play anything. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. <laughs> I was like, if it was Cher, I would be okay with it. But I didn't. I didn't. Right. To be honest, I didn't know who um, who Judy was. Yeah. Um. But I went to see it, and I felt that it was it was a, a mistake to mm-hmm. cast her. I mean, she was wonderful. Yeah. She's a great actress. Yeah, absolutely. And she, but she was like, it was like, if you, if you, if I, I'm a trans person and, and you know, they're playing the, uh, m- making a movie about my life and I'm unavailable. So they asked my sister to do it, you know? Cause my <laughs> sister's like, knows me very well, could probably imitate me, but she's a mumsy lady, yeah. you know? And that was kind of what I thought. Yeah happened with that, I mean, but nonetheless, it was amazing yeah. to see it and I, I loved it. The music was incredible and of course, the story and the script and, right. and it was such a beautiful tale.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, so. it, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's quite a, I, I, th- I think it's very um, true to both the tone of the Amistad books mm-hmm. and those characters are just, filled with like buzzy you know sort of moments of near crisis but joy is always around the corner. Right. Like the city takes care of them. Yes. And 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 that's really joyous. Yes. And 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 maybe fantastical but 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 it feels really complete Mm -hmm. and and it makes sense that it it lends itself well well to a musical because joy is around the corner always. Yeah the casting was great. Was fantastic. I mean
1: I thought everybody was wonderful. I just thought Mary Bird's song yes, was so was great and yeah. funny, and um, right. Betsy Wolf right. was our,
0: yeah.
1: right. amazing. Our navigator. Yes. Our, yeah, I love Betsy Wolf and I <laughs> thought she was fantastic in it. And that's a hard part.
0: <laughs> yeah. And she. Well, ingenue types always are, right? right? It's sort of like you're the naive. Everyone else gets to be gritty or funny, and you just have to ping pong your way through, yeah. and somehow grow by the end. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, okay, so so going back to, so cast, so this is 12-plus years ago, 10 years ago, but by the time it's on the Geary stage. And um, so a cisgender woman is cast as this iconic trans woman mm-hmm. from, from these books. Um, you know, also Olympia Dukakis, right? Mm-hmm. Cisgender so woman. People are used to People are used that. to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but but you had a visceral response you had you were harmed disappointed upset by it mm-hmm. and you and, and and you you know you just you just told me that that you know is this going to break a friendship is this going to so how did you sort of navigate through it or was it just a matter of this is this is an expensive show this is commercial even though i know people who could play it mm-hmm. Even though people think I could play it, though I'm too young, but, th- but this is <laughs> maybe way- I was too young. Yeah, exactly. but I thought I was too young. <laughs> but this is sort of the way of the world, and we're sort of, at least at that point, maybe, maybe that's that's where you live with it. This is the way that mainstream casting goes well
1: i think that also has to do with the fact that i had been alive for 40 some years so i was used to being marginalized yeah i was Mm. used to that that's how things were yeah i mean that's how it was in my family that's how it was in my profession i just would retreat and do my own thing which is how i how that's my my survival strategy but There's a whole younger generation of queer. And I was a queer radical myself, you know, still am. But I also just couldn't, you know, you can only get so upset about so many things, especially if you're, once you have a life to support, when you're young, you can just go out in the streets and do all that stuff, which is what we did. But this whole younger generation of queer people, they really have a lot more of a, they they came into it m- much more entitled. I didn't have that yep. entitlement as a trans person. Yep. I just didn't even, I mean, hopefully I paved the way so that they would feel more yes, entitled. That's right. When people talk about young queer people that are so woke and are so obnoxious, I'm like, thank God, you know, I'm for it. Um, so they were the ones that really raised the stink and started to, you know, bring attention to this and protest these sort of things. And I have benefited greatly from Mm. it. You know, they benefited from me and I have benefited from them. So it was uh, some amazing activists that really started. And things like that were what propelled them. So as um, frustrating as it may have been, it ultimately, I hope, it led to change.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no I think it has. I think it has. I mean it just wouldn't fly anymore. No. You know, whether it's it's a, a you know, a smaller theater or a larger theater or you know, production aiming for Broadway or a film, I mean it just it, it just hopefully even if some decision makers have those blind spots still, yeah, there would be many enough of voices. Be like, tch, tch. Exactly. You can't exactly. do exactly. that. Exactly.
1: And so it's been interesting. And so then obviously when I was asked to play the yeah, part. Yeah, 2017. And, and uh, on Broadway, yeah. and I was finally the first trans woman to play that role. Yep. I feel like, you know, I brought something to it that nobody had ever really considered when they saw the other actresses play the part. And yeah. so that was very exciting.
0: Yeah, really exciting. Was that ever recorded?
1: I think they filmed it. Must have it,
0: right? it must be somewhere.
1: Yeah, It must yeah. be. I don't know. Yeah,
0: some archival something something.
1: I don't know if they were allowed I think right. they weren't allowed to, so I hope there's right. a version of it somewhere. Yeah. Okay, well, I want to I want to find and it that. It was so wonderful because Betsy Wolf was sort of the force behind making that happen. She oh. really was the producer. Of oh, that. I didn't know that. Yeah, and it was great because we shared a dressing room and she's um so generous and She's just such a great spirit. And then I got to meet all the people that, because there were many, many of the same cast Mm -hmm. from the original production in that concert, and they were all so lovely um, and good. And I was excited because I had seen them in the original production, and there we all were, and then I was playing that role. And at that point, I thought, you know, I was able to command that part.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it was fun. And that was a that was a benefit concert. That was a, so like a, a, a one-time only. It was a one-time only. Wow. Event, so, on wow. Broadway.
1: So. Yeah. It was yeah. I think it was at the Music Box Theater.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice big house. Uh-huh. Cool. Would you ever? when you mentioned to me that that there was. Um, there was, uh, the last time Rocky Horror was done on Broadway, people approached you. Would you, would you ever want to do like an eight show a week Broadway musical (laughs) run?
1: Well, I don't know. When we (laughs) did Kiki and Herb, we only did seven. Bravo. And that was very hard because I was on stage for the entire two and a half hours. So I thought, oh, I will never, ever do a Broadway show again. It's too hard. It's such hard work. But, uh, you know. It might be easier if you're not on stage the entire time. And I think it might be nice. But it's not something I you know, crave, yeah. that kind of idea. And when, when they did the concert, they were talking because it got great reviews. Yeah. People loved it. And they were talking about ways of staging it. It was so fun to do it as a concert. Mm. Uh, and obviously it cost a lot less money. So there was some talk about maybe doing it off-Broadway and oh. staging it as a Like minimally. Or, yeah, 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 or, yeah. Um, But then it just sort of never happened.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed that, I mean, it was done at ACT, produced by ACT, no commercial theaters were part of it, or no commercial producers were part of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it had a very successful extended run here. Exactly ten years ago, mm-hmm. this July, and then
1: Then it just disappeared it just like disappeared. The, mists, the mists of Avalon. Yeah,
0: which I sort of love about theater. Uh-huh. But you sort of, you know
1: Well, it's like that that the the image of, you know, San Francisco in the clouds. Yes. It's on the cover of one of those books where you just sort of see the Golden Gate Bridge right. tipping. So it's a little it's bit of Trans America. Yeah. Yeah. It's there. yeah. Maybe the clouds will disappear and it'll it'll show up again somewhere, like it is now.
0: Right. Right. Because I do think it is a, you know, that I mean, my my, I I have a sister who's nine years younger than I am. And she went through those books as a teenager in suburban Buffalo. And just like it just felt like, yeah, I mean, just sort of like adult, adult Oz, adult, you know, adult, like find your family, adult. Mm Yeah. Um, And I think people still do that.
1: Well, it's a great um, example, you know, of friendship. Mm -hmm. And they're really, I mean, it's usually, you know, romance or whatever, like the the things that plots evolve around. Um, So the amount of friendship in that and chosen family and how you create chosen family, I mean, that was kind of an architectural blueprint for it for so many people. And um, that, I think, is its main power.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned to me before we... We, we got on camera that that you still think San Francisco is the place where you can have Thanksgiving with the most people yes. like it's the place where those people are yeah. here.
1: People who I deeply love and feel our family and you know I have my own family in that but as far as like it's lots of households where I could go and feel completely welcome and home for Thanksgiving is here in San Francisco. It's so great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah,
0: thanks for this conversation.
1: Oh, I'm so excited that you asked me, and um, I'm really excited that people are going to see it again. Yes. And I'm happy for my friends who I, and I'm happy I maintained a friendship yeah, right, with them. Yeah, right, right. So, you know, I did not let that, yeah. that and be, I'm glad I didn't because they grew, I grew, yeah. the, the production grew, and you can't grow if you're not engaged.
0: Right. Well, and even, you know, our, our having this conversation, You know, and talking about casting and talking about representation and talking about, you know, needing, you know, our industry, entertainment writ large, needing to make sure that every person can actually step in as their authentic selves. Right. Right. And that's and that's whether that is a performer, that's whether that is an usher, that's whether that is, you know, someone working in the marketing department, like ideally. These are workplaces, creative spaces where you get to shine.
1: Well, and it makes, it's all about creating art and it makes the art
0: better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you to Justin Vivian Bond. It was a real pleasure. Want to let you know a portion of the ticket proceeds for the one-week release of Tales of the City went to two San Francisco trans-led and trans advocacy organizations, the TGI Justice Project and the Transgender District. Please check out both. And you can find more information on ACT's website, along with a video of my conversation with Vivian, but aren't podcasts nice? Please check out our other episodes of Place Here, Time Now wherever you listen to your podcasts. Spread the word. Bye for now.